Alright, uh, good evening everybody. So this evening we are back in Jewish philosophy and the topic we are dealing with tonight is miracles. Um, so the last two weeks we've been dealing with the idea of uh, prophecy, exactly what is prophecy, who is a prophet, what is, what it's, what is needed in order for someone to become a prophet, to be eligible as a prophet, to be recognized as a prophet. Tonight we're going to be talking about the concept of miracles. Now pro- miracles and prophecy sort of go together because one of the things that we mentioned last week was that a prophet, one of the ways that you would know he was a prophet would be that he'd do miracles. Miracles in itself were not sufficient, but uh, they were definitely one of the reasons that if a, a prophet did miracles, that that would be a good way that you should know that they are worthy of following. So what you're going to be doing this evening is talking about exactly what is a miracle. Because uh, miracles seem to go throughout the Chumash and the Tanakh in general, and we see miracles and we look at them and they see quite phenomenal. And uh, we don't see miracles today, at least not, not in the way that they were portrayed in the Torah. So it becomes very odd because like prophecy, this is something that seemingly doesn't exist anymore. So it could be that we could say, yes, there are miracles. A child, you know, birth of a child is a miracle. Uh, six day war was a miracle. Um, you can think of a hundred different examples that you call a miracle. But whatever is a miracle, we could see that uh, you could come and rationalize that. No, it's not a miracle. It's just either coincidence or it's just turn of events or fortuitous uh, luck, however you want to understand it. But the reality is, is that it's not so clear that these things were miracles in the way that we ordinarily would call them. So we're going to go through two approaches this evening. Um, that of the Ramban, Ramban Nachmanides, and the other of the Rambam, Maimonides. And these two, like we've seen them in the past, and for those who've been through the course from the beginning, uh, would know that <coughs> that these two uh, individuals um, are often at each other's throats. We actually spoke about the Ramban and the Rambam last two weeks ago regarding prophecy on how they understand prophecy within the Torah. But tonight we're going to deal with it uh, specifically regarding miracles. So starting with the Rambam, so the Ramban Nachmanides. Nachmanides, we are talking about 13th century Spain, moves to Eretz Israel, lives in Jerusalem, lives at a time in Jerusalem where he says that there wasn't a minion in Yerushalayim. Um, he had to import people for, to come to Yerushalayim to make a minion. If you go to the old city today, there is a shul there called the Ramban Synagogue, which is named after him, although to the best of my knowledge, it's not where he davened. So he says as follows. From great and public miracles, a man recognizes the hidden miracles, which are the foundation of the entire Torah. For a man has no part in the Torah of Moshe, our teacher, unless he believes that all things and occurrences are all miracles and have no nature or the way of the world in them, whether community or individual. Rather, if he falls mitzvot, his reward will bring him success. If he transgresses and punishment or cuts him off, everything is a decree of the Most High. The Ramban says, and as clear as possible, we're going to develop this idea a lot more, is that there is no such thing as a miracle. Everything, or be more specific, there's no such thing as nature. However you want to deal with it, is that nature, miracle, it's all exactly the same thing. But what happens is when you have these great public miracles, what it does is allows you to recognize the fact that there are other miracles. So, so when we go through, what happens in miracles? So the sea splits, or, you know, so that's, a, that's an extreme miracle. But let's just say you have a miracle in your life. So what does that come to show? It comes to show that Hashem runs the world. Now, it's not that Hashem runs the world only in those specific cases. Hashem runs the world all the time. So what do these great miracles do? All they do is bring you an awareness at the fact that the miracles are there all the time. 
Okay, so so there is no such thing as miracles. So the sun rising is a miracle. It's raining, lightning, thunder, um, trees growing. All of these are miracles. Are they bigger miracles or smaller miracles than the splitting of the sea? Answer is they're exactly the same. There are those that are um, might make more of an impression to us, but understand that there is no such thing. So either the word nature or the word miracle um, is superfluous because the two are one and the same. Okay, so the first, so there is no such thing as nature. Everything is a miracle, and the fact that everything happens, it's almost that we have to look at it like Hashem is actively willing for everything to happen at every moment in time. Now, one of the proofs for this is a Gemara, so quite a well-known Gemara, and it tells about a, a, an individual named Rachanina Mendoza. So Rachanina Mendoza features a few times in the Gemara, and he is considered an, not only an incredibly past Jew, but an individual who miracles happen. So it says, So one Erev Shabbos, he saw his daughter, who was very upset. So it says, so why are you so sad? Accidentally, I put vinegar instead of oil. So my Erev Shabbos candles, I lit vinegar instead of oil. So Rechenin Mendoza says to her, what does it matter? So the God who says that uh, oil lights, so let you say vinegar lights. Meaning as follows, is that you think that oil has the organic properties that allow it to, to, be, to, become, that allow it to be flammable. And vinegar lacks those qualities. But you're wrong in the way you look at it. Because you're saying that there's a thing called nature. And nature determines certain things can be on fire. And certain things can't be on fire. And he says, no. The reason that that, that uh, candles burn, uh, oil burns, is because Hashem wants it to boil. And the reason that oil, vinegar doesn't burn is because Hashem doesn't want it to burn. But if Hashem wanted the vinegar to burn, then Hashem would make the vinegar burn. There's no... Stop looking at it in that way. So it says, oh, well, what happened? Oh, it was Dolek. So he says, not only did it burn, burn through the whole Shabbat that they used it as a candle of Abdullah. That's a, it's an incredible story. But that's the point that Ramban is trying to make, is that when you look at this concept of nature as somehow divorced from Hashem, you see that nature is immutable and, you, and nature cannot change and nature is, is the norm. And really it's not, is that everything is actively being willed by Hashem at every point in time. And it, the reason that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is not because that's mathematically true, but because Hashem wants 2 plus 2 equals 4. And if Hashem wants 2 plus 2 to equal 5, so 2 plus 2 equals 5. Just, that's the way it has to be viewed. Okay, so that's the Ramban. And we're going to develop this idea a little bit more because it is brought down, and as much as, this might sound like a bit of a, a strange idea, but we'll see the way Rav Desla is going to explain. Now Rav Desla, we're going to have a lot of Hebrew here, but I promise I will translate everything. So Rav Desla is a, uh, was, was a Rav who initially came from Slobodka, finished up in uh, Manchester, lived at the turn of the last century, lived at the beginning of the, second, uh, the t- beginning of the 20th century, lived through the First World War. And he wrote uh, one of the most well-known philosophical works of the 20th century called the Mikhtav Miliahu, which has been loosely translated and summarized in a book called Strife for Truth, which you can purchase. Now it is really, it's, it's, it's a fundamental to understand the basis, the basic ideas 
in Jewish philosophy, Hashkafa, uh, um, is phenomenal. And uh, if you, someone who's very, uh, very keen on Rav Desla is Rabbi Tetz. So if you listen to Rabbi Tetz ever, you'll hear a lot of Rav Desla fit in. And in fact, some of Rabbi Tetz's books uh, are in fact more or less uh, taken straight out of Rav Desla. Obviously changed, but uh, the whole ideas are Rav Desla's ideas. All right. So he's going to deal with this, um, this, this, this idea of the Ramban. He actually never mentions it at the Ramban because the, way, the Ramban is one opinion in a world of opinions. What Rav Desla is going to bring it is as if there is only one opinion, that this is the way you have to view the world. Now, it's going to be difficult only in as much as that um, when we get to the Rambam, who's going to say something completely different. So let's go with Rav Desla. So Rav Desla says, nature is just miracles that we've become accustomed to. So, so it says as follows. Aval Haimeti. The truth is, there's no difference between nature and uh, miracles. Hakonais, everything's a miracle. You should understand there are no causes in the world other than, and this is, the whole article talks about cause and effects. There's no cause in the world other than the will of Hashem. So his will is what he does and how he behaves. Anything Hashem wants becomes a reality. So why do we call things miracles? Not that the Torah doesn't have miracles. It does have miracles. So all that a miracle is, is something is happening that's not normal. That's all that it is. And what this does is this, this seemingly new, remarkable event awakens us to see the hand of Hashem in the world. And so what is nature? Nature is Hashem operates in a way that we have just become accustomed to. And it's an opportunity to test man. If even in this situation where Hashem is, so to speak, not visible as much, that we appreciate and acknowledge that it's all Yad Hashem, it's all only Hashem. Or God forbid a person thinks that Hashem has handed over everything to nature. And then he would come to think that perhaps within the world of Teva, in the world of nature, he himself has the ability to for cause and effect. So when nature happens, so what we call nature, so it's raining, so, so the religious individual says, Rav Desa says, this is, this is divine providence. This is a miracle that water come from the sky because Hashem wants water to come from the sky now. So you say, oh no, it was evaporation and the condensation, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. That's not what happens. That, that's the test that you might fall into that idea and that you think that you can plan. So when you're a farmer, so you're farming because you say, you know, I know that at this time of year it's going to rain and so I'm going to do all my work so that when it rains it happens. And what a religious farmer should say is, no, I'm going to do my work and I'm going to dive into Hashem that Hashem should make a miracle that it should rain. He says, but it rains every uh, winter or summer in Israel. Every winter it rains. He says, no, it doesn't have to rain. It only rains because Hashem wants it to rain. And, if we, and that's why we dive it. And isn't all our prayer like this? All of our prayers is understanding that Hashem runs the world and everything is happening. So according to this approach and understanding, there is no such thing as nature at all. 
It's an illusion to man. In order to trick up man, in order that he should choose truth. Okay, so that seemingly exactly like the Ramban wants to say. There's no such thing as nature. Nature is achizat enaim. Achizat enaim is uh, what magi- magicians do. It's an illusion. It's a gr- literally, it's grabbing your eyes. What's it? Uh, to um, Yeah, it's an illusion. It's uh, an illusion of some form. Okay. Now, Rav Desler is going to carry on now and talk about four different levels of of development, of the spiritual development of the individual. So I, I'm going to I've summarize them there, but we're going to go through them each individually. So it says as follows. So I'd like to describe four different ways that man has the ability to develop this relationship of how we understand nature. So, number one. So, there's one group of people who, who are believers. Okay, we're not talking about atheists here. These are believers. They're believers. But they see the world in, in a natural way. Everything is cause and effect. And they try to manipulate all their causes in order to get to their desired end. And they try in all their efforts to ensure that they can bring about whatever causes that will bring them their result. And they will say, it's because, you know, why do I make money? Because I invested in this particular business or I did this particular act or worked this particular art or I planted these particular seeds. Everything was my act. It was a cause and effect. You plant the seed, you water the seed, the seed grows, you get the fruit. There you go. Cause and effect. The reason I was successful, because I did all the work. I plowed one. Nevertheless, but you know what they do? Even though they do not the work, they say, Ah, Shem, please, can you make sure that I succeed? But you know what they're concerned about? They're concerned that Hashem might intervene and, uh, and, and ruin the whole process. I might get sick. Or for some other reason. So I'm going to, basically, I'm going to plant my seed. I'm going to toil my soil. I'm going to water my seed. And everything goes right. It'll be, uh, I'll say, it will grow. But what I really mean is, if Hashem doesn't interfere and make it not rain, or Hashem doesn't, uh, you know, I'm going to go to work today, I'm going to do something, and as long as Hashem doesn't make me sick, or everything will go. So, meaning, if nature goes the way I can plan, and, if, and everything will happen in the end, and that's the goal, and the only way it's going to not happen is if Hashem, so to speak, intervenes. So I dive into Hashem. Hashem, please don't ruin my plan. That's level number one. Um... And nevertheless, the person acknowledges they've got to thank Hashem and appreciate that Hashem gave them the wisdom to understand this. In order that they knew what to do in order to achieve their goals. But at the core of the, the whole matter, 
They are convinced that the world runs according to nature. So that is how they understand that by the sweat of your brow shall you eat bread. That is the curse that was given to Adam. That's it. So these are people, believers. Again, they believe that Hashem runs the world. But what do they mean Hashem runs the world? Hashem has has the opportunity. Hashem sort of see, lets the world run and every now and again interferes. And we hope that Hashem won't interfere. You know, we hope in Hashem. Maybe we could take it a little bit, uh, in a little bit from away. We hope in Hashem will interfere on our behalf. You know, to make things go, let the market go my way, let my business go my way. But, you know, but most of the time we say like, I'm, I'm, I'm planning this. I, sh- I hope Hashem doesn't interfere to make it bad. And, uh, and that's it. Now he has very harsh words. Rav Desla has very harsh words to send divisions. It's Bala Majegazot. People who are on this level, Bemet Hemibala Shituf. You know what that is? That's idolatry. Shituf. Shituf literally means partnership. Um, it's the term that we in Judaism give to Christianity. That Christianity has this whole idea of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so what they do is they believe in God and something else. And that's called Shituf, literally a partnership. God has a partnership with something else. So, so to these people, they also believe that uh, there's in the partnership. Because they say, you know, me and God, we work together. And even though they talk very from, you know, Bezrat Hashem, Baruch Hashem, you know, Miyot Hashem, all that stuff, in their core, these people are heretics. They are Kfira. Kfira is uh, deny, literally to deny, but these are heretics. Because in the deep of the heart, they say, the reason I'm successful is because I'm successful. I work hard, I make the good decisions, and that's why I'm successful. That is idolatry. So that's the lowest level. So nature exists independently of God, but God can interfere with nature. And we're asking Hashem not to interfere with nature. That's number one. Number two, level number two, these people are very sincere in their, in their faith. They acknowledge that there's everything that is nature, everything, the rain, the water, anything is from Hashem. But he says, I give you a mashal, I give you an analogy that my father-in-law gave me. Um, it says, right, so, so he says, imagine you're looking into a house through a keyhole. And you see through the keyhole, you can see a pen writing. But you don't see the person holding the pen. You just see the pen moving. He says, no one's going to have a hover meter. No one's going to think for a second that the pen's writing by itself. That's heretical. So he says, it's heretical to think that the pen's writing by itself. That's any of these, the, any of these people like in, this, in level one who think that nature is independent, they're like people who think that the pen's writing by themselves. No. He knows that behind the door, there's someone holding the pen who's writing. says, he knows that Hashem is doing everything. He's the cause of everything. And all, the cause and all the effects. It says everything is like the pen in the hand of Hashem. That Hashem does it everything that He wants. So this person, 
high level is that nature is a tool in the hands of, of Hashem. So Hashem, Hashem is running everything. There's no such thing as nature independent of Hashem. The same as the pen can't write by itself, nature can't operate by itself. It's Hashem manipulating nature, but it's the tool of Hashem. Okay, so Hashem operates through this tool called nature. That is stage number two. So they do give. So this second group do give a mitziot. They do say nature exists. But they say it's a tool. It's an implement that Hashem uses. Okay? So that's number two. So again, level number one is a person who thinks nature is independent, has a value in and of itself. And uh, Hashem intervenes every now and again to stop nature. Level number two is a person that says, no, Hashem runs nature. Everything that happens in the world is nature. But it's all a tool of Hashem. So it's independent. There's this thing called nature, like there's this thing called a pen. But the pen doesn't operate independently of the person. So too, nature doesn't operate independently of Hashem. Okay, that's stage number two. I hope I haven't lost, hope I haven't lost anybody uh, this evening. I know this is a bit, um, bit, uh, bit philosophically deep. Level number three. So, level number three is someone who's, who's gone beyond the person above. He says, there's no such thing as nature or any causes. He says, all of it is just Hashem being hidden in the world in order to test us. But everything is done by Hashem. There is no such thing as nature. But, and there's no need for... So, so it's not that... So this is like we were saying in the Ramban. Is that there's no such thing as these tools that Hashem is using. But everything is the will of Hashem. This is very much a true way of looking at it. Because it's understood in the way that everything is Hashem. We say this. There's nothing but Hashem. Everything is Hashem. There's no such thing as nature. Nature sounds like independent power. No, everything is Hashem. So that's number three. So how do you get higher than that? So it says, Amnam so what's the fourth level? Is this is a person who not only recognizes the fact that everything is, is Hashem, but realizes that the fact that there's this thing that people think called nature is terrible. He says this idea that people could think there's nature, that there could be cause and effect, is, is, is terrible. The fact that you that the world looks like there is nature, even though intellectually I know that there is no such thing as nature. Yeah, that's level three. Intellectually I know there's no such thing as nature, but I but I see and feel nature. Level number four says it is destructive that you feel nature. The whole creation was there for in order for us to to sanctify Hashem. Um. Says that we live ki mishe lo yochal leche miche. Says this, we we don't live. Um, hold on. So, bemet hayarui. It should be that if you don't need to eat bread to live, and someone eats bread does, it, don't, it shouldn't make a difference. Sharei hamishdemesh besiba tivi. Because anyone who uses nature is going against the will of Hashem. Because you're thinking that the reason I'm sustained is because I'm eating this bread. That's natural. 
by the person who's hungry, who understands that by eating this bread is, 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 is destroying the whole foundation of the world because I don't need this bread to eat. That's a natural thing. And I, I'm supported by the miracle of Hashem. says, the only reason Hashem created this world in such a way is in order to give man free will. That if we realize that everything was nature... So that everything was a miracle. We saw Hashem and everything. People wouldn't have free will. So the whole concept of uh, of nature is there in order to allow us to have free will. But if I'm, I'm if I'm if I'm on the highest level, is that I, I I don't see it. I only see Hashem. Not only intellectually. Level number three is intellectually. I know that everything's from Hashem. But number four is that I see that everything is Hashem, and that everything that looks like nature is um, is is falsehood. So there's a, there was a, a movie in the 90s called The Matrix, which sort of did this idea that, uh, that people live in an illusionary world, but they're convinced that it exists. And the only people who really exist are those who realize that there's nothing in the world. So, so too is that if we see the world in a sort of matrix way, that we see that there's no such thing as a tree. It's just Hashem. And when you live in that reality, that, that is not just a theoretical construct, but it's an emotionally true construct, then you see Hashem everywhere. And then like Moshe Rabbeinu, so what happens to Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe goes up Mount Sinai, 40 days, 40 nights, he doesn't eat, he doesn't drink. How can he eat and not, not eat and not drink? He's human, no? He says, no, because once you get to that level that you realize that everything is miracle and there is no such thing as nature, so that you don't need to eat, you don't need to drink, you don't need any of these things. Okay. All right. So that is um Okay, so I'm not sure who's uh still with me uh, on uh, in principle, but uh, if we if we see that idea that you have this incredibly profound uh, position that firstly of the Ramban that is greater developed by Rabdesla is that this idea that nature is something that we have to do our best to uh to deny that there is no such thing as nature. And nature is there to give us free choice. But if we're on our highest level, we get to the point where we say there is no, that we, we don't even see the nature, that it doesn't fool us anymore. So perhaps we, I imagine we're all on level number one, that uh, we live our lives, that there is nature. Um, but according to Rav Desla, you should be at least aiming for number four. Seeming like only number four person who number four it was Moshe Rabbeinu. But possibly there was, um, you know, others, Ramban and others who are on level three. Okay. So now we appreciate that. And when I was in Yeshiva and I'd learned Rav Desla, I was, I was like, I was, okay, that's fantastic. That's, that's Judaism believes everything's miracle. That there's no such thing. There's no such thing as chance. There's no such thing as, uh, so we actually say this in Davening every day. When you say, Modi menachnu lach, you know, three times a day in Amidah, it says, All the miracles are with us daily. So our whole life is, is filled with miracles. And, not, and miracles, not only the fact that I missed the train, that did, da, 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 and whatever, I've taken the train, terrible things would have happened. Not only that sort of miracles, but even the fact that, that we're breathing and that the whole world exists, it's all miracles. And so we, we see everything as, a, as Hashem, so to speak, the director of the world. And every wave that breaks, every tree that falls off the leaf, every wind that blows is all miracle within Hashem. The big miracles that, that open our eyes are only there to so we can see the smaller miracles. But absolutely everything is a miracle from Hashem. That's why I believed and I thought that was uh, that. And I thought that was Jewish philosophy because that's the way Rav Desla presents it. And then I came to the Rambam. And as we've mentioned previously, 
the Rambam to be appreciated all his greatness. You have to, uh, it can only be when you really understand him in the context of how everybody else understands him. So the way the Rambam goes is as follows. So this is in Pirkavot. So the fifth chapter of Pirkavot, Ethics of the Fathers, says there were 10 things were created in Erev Shabbos, uh, between sunset and night time. It gives him the, the, the earth that opened up to which swallowed Korach, uh, the well of Miriam that went through them at the desert, excuse me, the mouth of the donkey, the donkey that spoke, the rainbow, etc., etc. And then he brings the last one, the, Gemara, the Mishnah says, and some say the tongs that made tongs. Because, <coughs> you know, the first set of tongs, um, how, did, how were they put in the fire to mold? So it says, uh, Shem had made a set of tongs that would be able to hold the first set of tongs to make the first set of tongs. It's like chicken and egg kind of thing. Okay. The Ramban says, Rambam. Now we have Maimonides. Maimonides predates the Ramban. And Rambam was an incredibly controversial individual, as we've mentioned previously, especially his philosophical ideas. And this particular one, when you hear it for the first time, if you've been raised on the idea of the Ramban, becomes very, very controversial and difficult to hear. This is also the first human tongues made with divine tongues. At the beginning of things, he placed into nature that they should do everything that they would do in the future, whether they be in the things that would happen constantly, that be a natural thing, or whether it be something unusual, that be a miracle. So what he means is that when Hashem created the world, he put this machine in motion called nature. And in it, he said, there were going to be some things that will be what we call miracles. So he said, oh, in the 1500, in 2000 years time, the sea is going to split. So he put that in motion. Or the donkey is going to speak. All of that was put in motion from the outset. So it all started with, so whether it be the sun rising and the rain falling, or these miraculous events that we call, all of it happened naturally. It is all one. Therefore, they said on the sixth day, he placed into, into the nature of the earth that it will sink under Korach and his community and into the well that would give out water and to the donkey that should speak and so to for the rest. Everything was set in place. The program was preset during creation. And perhaps you ask that since all these wonders were placed into the nature of, the, uh, nature of things, six days, why did Hashem mention these particular ten things? So why did Hashem mention these ones that we say here? The donkey, the manna, the rainbow. So why did the Mishnah bring these particular ten? So it says, you should know that he did not distinguish these ten to say that no other miracle was placed into the nature of things except for these. Rather, that these alone were done at twilight and the rest of the wonders and miracles were placed in nature they put in the time of the original creation. Okay, so it's, it's just the timing that these, that these programs put in. So to understand this, like, the, the way is, is, is that a complete opposite of the Ramban. So whereas the Ramban wanted to say is that there's no such thing as nature, everything's miracle. The Ramban wants to say is there's, everything is nature, there's no such thing as miracle, which is like phenomenal because it's like the, literally the complete opposite. What do you mean there's no such thing as miracle? It says that everything's natural. Everything comes out of the natural world. So, hold on, the sea split, didn't it? Didn't, uh, you know, uh, water from rocks, whatever the case might be. This is all, says the Rambam, none of that is mirac- miraculous in a sense that it's, it's out of sync with the natural order. It is all being pre-programmed into the world and was always meant to happen. So that's difficult to understand because especially, again, if you've grown up on a diet of Ramban and Rav Desla, you say, 
not a, that's worse than the first stage. Remember the first stage we we said the first stage we said is that um, the first level of the Rambam who says is your koifer, you are you are heretic. Is that this is an individual who says that there's a thing called nature and and but yes, of course Hashem runs the whole world, but. Um, you know, we try our best and we ask Hashem not to get involved and not to, to, to hamper our efforts. That's the way Rav Dessa said it's heretical. Says the Rambam. So and the Rav Dessa's team in talking about the Rambam. I mean, I, I wish I was on the level of the Rambam. So Rambam says that everything is natural. There's no such thing as nature. Sorry, there's no such thing as miracle. So it's like the complete opposite. So that's a little bit difficult to understand because it seems that the whole concept of miracles as we appreciate it are meant to be these ideas that we, we actively see Hashem operating within the world. So how is it that Hashem operates in the world if there's this thing called everything is just nature? So one of the great Rambanists, I don't know if that's a right word, is uh, Rav Soloveitchik. So Rav Soloveitchik um, is, you know, very much bought into the Rambam's way of looking at uh, stuff in philosophy. And he wrote a book called The Ethical Emergence of Man, which I have somewhere on my bookshelf. I don't know where it is, but I've got somewhere on my bookshelf. And he describes, he deals with this whole question of developing the Rambam. He doesn't mention, same as Rav Desla doesn't mention the Rambam, Rav Salavachi doesn't mention the Rambam. But it's going to be very clear that this is the idea of the Rambam. He says, What is a miracle in Judaism? The word miracle in Hebrew does not possess the connotation of supernatural. It has never been placed on a transcendental level. Miracle, Pele or Nase, describes an, only an outstanding event which causes amazement. So, it's nothing transcendental. Nothing supernatural is happening. So, so this is a complete, it's like when the earth, when the, when the sea splits, it is nothing transcendental, but there's nothing that... God is now more manifest in the world than he was yesterday. There's nothing unique over here. It says all it is, is it's causing amazement. The miracle is something that you would not have, that you notice something that you've never seen before. A turning point in history is always a miracle. For it commands the attention as an event which, is in, which intervened faithfully in the formation of that group or that individual. As we read the story of Exodus from Egypt, we are impressed by the distinct tendency of the Bible to relate events in natural terms. So, think about the miracles that we see throughout uh, the Torah. How many of those miracles are really that miraculous? So we're going, the frogs came out of the river when the Nile rose. The wind brought the locusts and split the sea. Every time, but when you see the splitting of the sea... Says so. We often think that, like Tolton Heston style, that Moshe, that Hashem says to Moshe, "Put your hands, staff over the sea, and all split." It. Hashem puts his and Moshe puts his staff over the sea, and the sea splits. It's not what happens. You read the pasuk. He says, "Go put your staff over the sea." So Moshe puts his staff under over the sea, and a strong wind comes through the night and blew the entire night. And by the morning, the the waters had split. So it says it's given in very natural terms. All archaeologists agree that the plagues as depicted by the Bible are very closely related to the geographical and climatic conditions that prevail in Egypt. Meaning, there's nothing unnatural about the miracles. That every single one of them can be explained through natural means. If Harold Newman was on the call, he would appreciate this. Beyond the passages in the Bible, we may discern a distinct intent to describe the, pay, the plagues as natural as possible. The Bible never emphasized the unnaturalness of the events. Only its intensity and force are emphasized. That's the key. 
The mir- what makes it miraculous is the intensity and force, not the event. The reason for that is obvious. A philosophy which considers the world drama as fixed mechanical process governed by an intelligent indifferent principle may regard the miracle as a supernatural transcendental phenomenon which does not fit into a causalistic meaningless monotony. Okay, so there was a lot of big words there. So let's try to understand that again. It says that when you think that the world is processed by an unintelligent indifferent principle, that basically the world just goes on. You know, everything is just going on as per normal then a miracle has to be something that's so supernatural, so completely transcendental, that breaks the cycle of monotony. Since Israel, however, who looked upon the universal occurrence as a continuous realization of divine ethical will embedded into dead and live matter, everything came from Hashem and everything is, you know, put into the program by Hashem, could never classify the miracle as something unique and, and incomprehensible. So if it is always put in by Hashem, it says it's not unique. Both natural monotony and surprising elements in natural in nature express God's word. Both are irregular, lawful phenomena. Both can be traced to identical source. Everything's natural. Everything comes from sin. In one then does the uniqueness of the miracle assert itself. So what's the cup of miracles? In the correspondence of the natural and historical orders. The miracle does not destroy the objective scientific nexus in and of itself. It only combines natural dynamics and historical purposefulness. It says, it's not that the miracle isn't the event that happens. The miracle is that it happened at a time it needed to happen. Had the plague of the firstborn, for instance, occurred a year before or after the exodus, it would have been turned, it would not have been turned with a strong hand. Why? God would have, would have been, God would have been instrumental in the natural children's plague. It's meaning that, you know, when the, when the plagues happen, the fact that it happened the night before we left Mitzrayim, that's the miracle. The fact that the firstborn died, that's nature. That's happened. The fact that the sea split, that's nature. It's a natural phenomenon. It could happen any time. The fact that the ground opened and swallowed Korach, that's something that can happen. It's not something unnatural. But what's the miracle? Is that it happened when Moshe said it would happen. That's the miracle. It's the timing. On the night of Pesach, he appeared to he appeared as God of the cosmos, along, along, uh, acting along historical patterns. The intervention of nature of nature in the historical process is miracle, and that's the key, according to Rav Soloveitchik. And I'd like to suggest that's the key, according to the Rambam, is the fact that it is nature. It's not uh, it's not miracle. It's not that Hashem is intervening or everything is Hashem. Is that Hashem put something in place, and that it's now the timing of it that makes it miraculous. Whether God planned that history adjusts itself to natural catastrophes or the natural catastrophes attached himself to history, he commands nature to cooperate with historical forces. Uh, commands is irrelevant. Miracle is simply a natural event which causes a historical metamorphosis where the history is transfigured under the impact of cosmic dynamics we encounter a miracle. So you see Rav Soloveitchik in the Rambam say the complete opposite of the Rambam. But here we now see this idea that, that Hashem sets nature into motion and nature will operate as it always operates and everything's logical and everything's rational and everything can be explained by science and all that is going to make it natural, a miracle is the timing. 
And when did that timing happen? It's not that Hashem is, so to speak, now making this happen. It's Hashem set the program in. Hashem knows the future and whatever. And Hashem set the program in. And now the program is running the way it's supposed to run. Is there a thing called nature? Yes, of course there's a thing called nature. Now, either of these might resonate with you. They both are pretty uh, deep concepts. But both of them have their challenges because uh, the concept of nature has a lot of halachic um, ramifications. So, for example, the Ramban, who seems to say there's no such thing as nature, well, we have halachas. For example, if a, if a, if a cow behaves in a certain way, we say it's a, like if it's a dangerous cow, we say after it's gored three times, it's a dangerous cow, it's a certain halachic status. Maybe everyone's a miracle. Why are we saying that the cow has nature? Why do we, why do we you know, recognize the natural events that do in the world. And the same with the Rambam. It's like, uh, so if, if, if everything's nature, so what is the difference? Like we, we've got so many Midrashim that when the sea split, that uh, says that a, a, a simple a maiden would had a prophecy, she could see God as uh, the, the prophet Yechezkel ben Buzi did. So it seems like there is something more uh, supernatural about it. Whichever way you look at it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to come up with its challenges. But um, what you see here and the way that we deal with miracles on both both arms is the idea is either accepting that everything's miracle or that everything's nature. Both agree that they all come from Hashem. No one's disagreeing that it comes from Hashem. But there's a question of the day to day. When I see, if you say, you know, if you plant, if you plant seeds and they, they grow, why do they grow? So Rambam would say, because that's what seeds do. Hashem programs seeds to grow. According to Rambam, he says it's a nice. Hashem is actively willing that, that plant to grow. Rambam's much more Kabbalist. All right, everyone. I hope that uh, made sense. It was a bit of a difficult uh, topic, but I hope it made sense. To that end, I'll allow you, if anyone would like to ask any questions, you can unmute yourself now. Spotlight.